0: on this week's episode of cultivating her space
1: honestly the wins are in the small consistent things you do and so even if you struggle for that making a list and just saying what are the things that bring me joy big and small and then prioritizing spending even five minutes a day doing that thing
0: In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends, and create a safe space where Black women can just be.
2: Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California? in contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you.
0: All right, lady, we have a very special guest today in a topic that is probably close to many of us. So we're just going to jump on in so you can hear about our amazing guest. Kelly Bonner is a licensed therapist, an expert company culture strategist, award-winning podcaster, and founder of Burn Bright Consulting. Her work has been featured in Business Insider, Fast Company, and National Association of Social Workers. Kelly's mission is to help transform workplaces by reducing burnout and bias, resulting in increased innovation and inclusion. Wait for this, y'all. She has been called revolutionary by Anita Hill and a benchmark in her field by the Pentagon. Okay? Kelly provides a framework for leaders to understand the deeper organizational issues that lead to symptoms of burnout and how to solve them at their core. Kelly, welcome to Cultivating Her Space. So happy to be here. Yay, we're so happy to have you.
2: Yes, we are definitely looking forward to this conversation. And so I will give us our quote of the day. But what happens when you work hard at something unfulfilling? It drains your spirit. It robs you of your life force. You end up depleted, depressed, and angry. That quote comes to us from Auntie Oprah. And I'm going to repeat that for the folks in the back to make sure that you really heard this and you're sitting with this quote of the day. But what happens When you work hard at something unfulfilling, it drains your spirit. It robs you of your life force. You end up depleted, depressed, and angry. Now, Kelly, when you hear our quote of the day and you think about all of the work that you do, what's coming up for you? Is there anything in particular that's maybe resonating with you about this quote?
1: Well, yeah, I think a lot. I think there's a direct line. I think Oprah is drawing this line between, you know, job satisfaction, like the more happy you are with your job, the more centered you are, grounded you are about the work that you do, even if it's not your life's work, right? The less likely you are to burn out. And that is like the science packs up what Oprah already knew with her life and what she does, which is that people who hate their jobs tend to it it ripples, right? It creates anger. It's like if you work isn't everything, but it's like if there's one area of your life that you really are not loving, it's going to show up other places. And that anger isn't going to log off just because you said, I'm done with work at five. Now I'm going to be this amazing person for the rest of my day. Like there's this direct line with it. That's
0: a good point. we spend so much time at work, you know, for those of us that do have some type of work that we do. So it's like, you might as well love the work, right? So Kelly, we would love to know your origin story. We're going to dive in a bit deeper on burnout and work and all that good stuff. But can you tell us your origin story and how you became the Kelly honor you are today?
1: We don't got enough time for that. But I'm going to give you the condensed. (laughs) There's a lot of zigzags with how I end up where I am. But I will give you the condensed version about how I came to do the work that I do in the sense that I experienced burnout right away in my first professional job. And I call it like a spectacular burnout where I really just was unable to do what I love. And the story that I tell that really kind of captures that is When I grew up, I wanted to work in prison systems, and I acknowledge that's not every person's dream. That's probably like 2.5 people's dreams, but I was one of them. And I really wanted to work in doing mental health. I'm a therapist as a background, and I wanted to do mental health in the prison system. And within three years, I mean, I got the job I wanted, the place I wanted to live, everything you could think of. Even maybe outfits I had brought I that I envisioned I had. And in three years, I tell people I ended up on a puddle on the floor, hysterically crying, having what came to me now what I know to be like a panic attack for the first time in my life. And I knew then, I said, Oh, I can't do this work anymore. And I tell people like, not being able to do the thing you love is heartbreaking. It's its own form of heartbreak. And I quit months later, not as quickly as I should have in hindsight, but it was not knowing the language. It took me years. I mean, I jumped from one job to the next job and it was way better than the job at the prison system for reasons you can probably imagine, but still the same kind of feelings would show up. And then I, before I got to spectacular burnout, I would just jump. Right. And it wasn't until about close to a decade later, I learned what even I had experienced. and so. I then learned this term burnout. And I mean, there were other things happening with that. There was some traumatic stress that occurring, but burnout resonated with me. And it was learning that language that made me even more passionate to want to teach others. And I really do believe that in order to like rest and recover you need to recognize it. And so my goal is like, I want you to recognize so therefore you can recover and understand what burnout is and prevent people from losing the ability to do the thing that they love.
2: Thank you for sharing that. And oh, so many questions came up that I was like, okay, I want to circle back to like five different things, but I'm going to keep us on track here. And you mentioned like, it took you 10 years To recognize that what you had experienced was burnout. We don't want our listeners to have to wait 10 years to be able to identify what those burnout symptoms are. And so can you tell us what are some of the key signs of burnout?
1: Yeah, I mean, the first thing I tell people is that burnout, to understand what it is, is a simple equation and I'm not a math person. That's why I do social work. So trust me, this is simple. It is simply when more is like more is demanded of you than you have the resources to to give. So more is asked of you than you can give. And when it happens over and over again, it creates burnout. And then burnout itself has three kind of key signs that let you know you are burned out. One is this kind of mental And physical exhaustion, people talk about being tired and it not just being physically tired or being physically tired. And it's related to like just showing up to work or doing a task related to work. The second component is just being, you know, I called it permanent side eye for the work that I did. Like I just couldn't, like I would just be annoyed, detached, cynical. You could, I was really just disconnected and really upset at my management, at myself, at the organization I worked at. And then the last piece is decreased performance. And I love this one way that I learned about burnout is that they said it was like a loss of elegance to do the work that you do. I think a lot of people miss diagnose themselves and say, oh, I don't have burnout because they're a top performer and they continue to perform. But the difference between being like a person who performs and gets it done, which a lot of people are doing and burned out, But are you able to do it with a type of like elegance? Are you able to do it with like the word elegance to me? It's like, I think about like people who write cursive, like really pretty handwriting, right? It's like, if you can do your work in that way, if it gets expressed that way, people lose that. And so they're not able to bring that to the work that they do, especially if they love it.
0: That's a really great way to kind of visualize it. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I know we've, been aware of the fact that many women are describing, describing increased levels of burnout. Can you talk to us about why that might be happening now?
1: I think for women it's because it's so many other things, you know, I, One of the taglines for the work I do is I always say it's bigger than burnout, even though I'm a burnout, you know, expert, in the sense that so many women have dual roles. There are multiple hats that women wear in their lives, and it's just defaults. Like we live in a world that assumes gender comes with a certain job. And I mean like washing dishes, taking care of children, right? Taking care of elderly parents. Women are seen as caregivers. Women often assume multiple roles even within a job. They're more likely to want to mentor. And when they mentor, they go all in on the mentorship, right? So they're often balancing multiple roles that adds to it. And if you add anything else that makes you marginalized, if you're a Black woman, if you are differently able, if you all those things that were you creating, you also are experiencing microaggressions or just the ways people are minimizing you and the work that you do, which women do experience more than men, it leads to burnout. So it's all those things that kind of bring down your resistance and make you more likely to, ha- to be burned out. Hey lady,
0: it's Terry here. Dom and I want to take a moment to thank you for choosing to listen to our podcast. We love you for real. And we want to give you a chance to learn more about what's important to us.
2: So tell us what you think about this imagine a world where you have a chance to get featured on the cultivating her space podcast and share your business brand or perspective with millions around the globe imagine joining our monthly virtual video check-ins where you can connect with like-minded black women like you and share your ideas and episode suggestions with terry and i now i want you to imagine a world where you're in the exclusive Cultivating Her Space Sanctuary Slack channel. And throughout your day and week, you are conversing with us about what's happening in your life and sharing funny gifts and your personal wins. How does that sound? Hopefully this is
0: up your alley, lady, because we are taking things to the next level this year and we're doubling down on investing in our community. That means you. Yay! We want to meet you, connect with you, and create communities of genuine women who love on Black women and push our culture and movement forward. We launched this podcast in 2019, and to date, we have not missed a week. We've been great stewards of our platform, all while working full-time and navigating our own ups and downs. We release fresh new content every single Friday, like clockwork, and we have hundreds of valuable episodes and workshops that can really help you up-level your life. So if you love our mission or you've gotten value from us, we invite you to give back and help us push this community effort forward. Visit herspacepodcast.com and click Patreon. You can learn more about our goals and exclusive offerings on Patreon. And we highly, highly encourage you to join the sister frontier so that you can get some one-on-one time with us. We also have an option for you to donate on a one-time basis. If that meets your needs again, herspacepodcast.com, and you can click that link that says Patreon. All right, lady, we'll hop right back into the conversation. This is already getting so good, Kelly, and we're going to dive into more questions, but really quickly, we just want to shift up the energy of this conversation. So, Kelly, because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman and we here on Cultivating Her Space, we believe that it's okay to be bougie, classy, and ratchet. And we believe that you can still be elegant and dance to strip club music if you so choose. So, Kelly, we would like to invite you to the OU Blatchet segment. Do you take on the challenge?
1: I am. I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's oh, do it. Let's yes. do it. Okay. So we love that. All right.
0: We got her down. So now we're going to tell you what to expect, Kelly. So we have three questions for you. We have three sentence completions. And then we have three photos of you pulled up on our big screen that we have found in our research on social media. And your facial expression is hilarious.
1: right now. (laughs) I'm terrified. I am terrified right now.
0: (laughs) These are very cute pictures, I will say. And so what we want you to do for the last portion of the segment is. Choose a number out of one in three, and we'll show you that particular photo. And then if you can tell us some context about the photo that we wouldn't know just by looking at it, that'd be great. So we're going to jump on in with the first question. Dom, do you want to take this first question?
2: All right. So Kelly, what is the best piece of wisdom or advice you've ever received?
1: What is my favorite piece of wisdom or advice that I have ever gotten? There's so many to choose from. I I mean, there's always like the classic Maya Angelou when someone shows you who you are, believe them the first time. I think that one is, has really helped me a lot. I've had people in my life tell me about, there's a famous, character in a book. A lot of my wisdom comes from books, believe it or not. So I'll use Zora Neale Hurston. My favorite book is The Rise of Watching God. And she talks about finding her soul a home and kind of coming home to herself. And so I always kind of think about where, where can I find my little piece of life? And it's not necessarily a place, but like an experience. So I would say those two things
0: so beautiful and so wholesome i love that kelly because this next question i have for you is not wholesome or well, it might be i don't know it depends on your perspective i just have four words for you kelly okay twerk or two-step what you gonna choose
1: girl i can't twerk i'm so sad about it i'm so sad about it though like i my brother's like it's in your knees it's in your knees he's out here trying to coach which is not you know i don't know how wholesome that is he's, but i i'm two-stepping all the way. I can't do it. I think I got bad knees We're here ladies. for ladies.
0: Yes. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with there's nothing yes. wrong with the two-step. And we actually we just hosted a live event, Kelly, for our podcast. And we had a twerk church. A twerk instructor came in and was teaching us all how to throw that thing in a circle and do all the things. And she was like, yes. Yeah, I felt very I was struggling a little bit, but she did really well. <laughs> yeah. So you can yeah. learn. It's okay. we we got you got this. But there's nothing wrong with a two-step.
2: <laughs> yep, we love we love a two-step <laughs> <Yes>. as well. <laughs> okay and so what is the sexiest item that you own
1: i have a pair of shoes heels that are like five inches i'm quite short and they are just they wedges are not usually associated with being sexy i mean we can say that out the gate all the time right but these ones are really cute they're high they're kind of like this fake snake skin. They're Cole Hans. They're really comfortable too. I know I'm ruining the sexy piece, but I think there's nothing less sexy than being uncomfortable and doing it just for somebody else. And so people can look at you. So I'm like, look, I got to be comfortable, but they're gorgeous. They're really gorgeous. They're shiny. They catch the light. They really go. You could dress them up or down. I would say that.
0: That sounds amazing. It's the versatility and the comfort for me because I'm with we're not trying to be uncomfortable. Comfort. Here. Yes, right. <laughs> right. So Kelly, now we're going to move into the sentence completion. So the first sentence completion we have for you is one question or topic I wished people asked me about more often is...
1: Okay, this is not related to work at all and I should stop telling people this, but I love celebrity gossip. That is my toxic trait, okay? I If you want to know about a celebrity, I'm like, just tell me, let's get into it. I want to talk about it. Uh, nobody asks me about that, obviously, for many reasons, but anytime I get a chance, I'm like, well, that that's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be like ready to answer.
2: Well, that's so well, wild. Go ahead, Don. tell so, me So So, so wild. Because wouldn't you know that our next sentence completion is about celebrity gossip. Like, Terry, Terry and I, you know, we we love to be in the know. And so the next sentence completion is the one piece of celebrity gossip that is taking up my brain space right now is.
1: I would say the one piece of celebrity gossip, Haley Bailey's boyfriend, DDG, just wrote a song. And there were rumors that he had created a whole fake profile on Twitter to troll the white man from Little Mermaid because he was uncomfortable with their dynamic. And then he wrote a song that pretty much felt like it confirmed it because he wrote this petty. This man is a Z-lister. I have no problem going in on him. And I reserve judgment in public for other people. But DDG, get therapy, get healing. You are not... He wrote a whole song like one of the lines is like I'm you know she's getting she's doing really well I gotta ruin it she's got a platform I'm feeling insecure I think I'll ruin it it's so sad to see Haley who seems so beautiful and sweet yes. and wholesome and then you see this man you're like what boy what is yes. going on
0: that was hey, an that, excellent one Kelly piece. I looked at the lyrics, too. That was... It's pretty... It feels pretty pathetic. He needs to share that with his therapist versus trying to bring her down in her it, prime when she's, like,
1: popping. It's Kay. Toxic Man Week. Like, then Future okay. came out. It's like... I think it's, like, just the toxicity of men this last Girl. week. Like, Future song about Russell Wilson. It's like, bro, it's been 10 years. I, okay. I You look so small and petty, and you're giving... You know, the smallest of smallest energy right now that came out. And then Jonah Hill weaponizing therapy and saying boundaries means don't talk to nobody. And it's like, Jonah, look at yourself. What are you okay. doing? That that whole clump of like yes. men acting wild. This Kiki, Palmer's men, man, Kiki, Palmer's Kiki Palmer's man. Kiki Palmer's man. That was just they came for him. I mean, they gathered oh, him so yes. badly. He so yes. badly. But he feels like he's like a resistor. I don't know who this man is. It's like she pays your bills, sir. Do not get on the Twitter and talk about our Unless you are paying rent, which it does not appear you could do when living with Kiki Palmer. Why are you speaking? <laughs> like, why do you have comments on Twitter? I don't understand. Ooh. I would be just sitting at home thrilled that Kiki Palmer was paying for my life. Wear whatever okay. you want. Okay.
0: So Kelly, we will be DMing you about celebrity culture moving forward <laughs> after this interview. <laughs> so we appreciate the fact that you are down for this as well. <laughs> our last sentence of completion for you, Kelly, is... What I love most about myself is
1: that I center joy now in my life. I tell people all the time that what when people ask me, oh, you, you know, work for yourself now. I left behind working in like a corporate government kind of institution. And they ask, what do you? most proud of and there i think people are expecting like a revenue number or that you know nobody tells me when to get up or whatever that is i'm my own boss and i think the thing that i'm most proud of and what i love about myself now is that i center joy and i like myself more than i've ever liked myself before i tell people me and me is a vibe and at this point if you can't beat me and me and i mean like my friends i mean like in partnership then that's it Me and me is going to be alright Because I really enjoy myself I enjoy who I am I enjoy the life that I'm creating for myself And I think that's the thing I'm most proud of
0: Yeah That's that is a whole vibe I'm, I'm writing that down Me and me is a vibe Okay Yes, that should be on T-shirts, okay? Y'all make sure you credit Kelly for that. Now, Kelly, before we move on to more interview questions, we have some photos pulled up of you. And so what we want you to do is choose a number out of one and three. And then for those that are only listening to the episode, you can describe the photo first and then give us some additional context about the photo that we would not know just by looking at the photo. So what number are you going with, Kelly?
1: Again, I am terrified. I would say number two. We'll go with number
0: two. Okay. This is a great photo. I think you're going to love it. So let's go ahead and put it on the big screen. It'll show up in five,
2: four,
0: three, two, one. There we
1: go. Oh, I do (laughs) love this picture. Okay. This is a picture of me. I'm, I'm holding a am just like a selfie and I'm looking at a beach. Like there's a beach and some water kind of behind me. It was taken in Thailand. And for me, this was just a great trip all the way around. I love Thailand. It's the, I think it's the PP Phi, Phi Islands. They've closed them now. That's even more special because it's the islands from long time ago. Leonardo DiCaprio had a movie called The Beach and it was filmed there. And people come all around the world to see this place and they closed it because of tourism. It was getting to be too much. Like it's causing kind of environmental impact. But what's so cool about this picture, I love to travel one, but I have a fear of flying, like a really bad fear of flying. I hate flying. And this trip, I think the caption says, like, I decided, I I forget what age I turned. The caption said I turned 35. Oh, those are the days. Anyway, I turned 35 and I went to Thailand and I took seven planes and spent 28 hours in the air is what the caption says. And for me, I was really proud of facing it was like facing my fears and embracing joy and it was gorgeous I loved it and I now I still fly but it's like every time I tell myself okay you love this get on that plane I also take medication take medication don't don't struggle for those of you who are struggling like plane fear so that's the picture it was like me smiling because I made it to Thailand despite all the the fears to get there
0: that is so amazing. And what a way to face your fears. You didn't say not one flight, but you took seven flights <laughs> and in the air for 28 hours. Come on. That's beautiful. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for indulging us and playing along for the OU Blatchett segment. We're going to jump into the more questions now. And one of the things that we'd love to know, we learned about you that you took a month-long retreat in Bali to recharge, speaking of Bali, right? And so if you can just tell us what are simple things that someone can do at home if they can't afford a month-long retreat in Bali?
1: Yeah, I think the way that, I think first of all, we make wellness so like elite, like you have to have a certain amount of money, you have to have a certain kind of outfit, routine, like wellness has been kind of co-opted and whitewashed and like made to be this thing. Like, well, the only way you get better is if you take a retreat. And I think that there are so many things that you can do that are small, that fill your life. I think what makes people actually happier in the long-term has nothing to do with retreats and everything to do with doing one thing a day that brings you joy. What is one thing? And it doesn't have to be big. Like for a long time, even the worst jobs, I'm a music person. And when I would drive to work, I would just be like, I have my work playlist and I would get a song on. And it didn't matter how bad the day is, I'm singing that song. If I'm singing that song and I'm like singing it enraged, I'm singing it angry. If I'm singing it sad, whatever, or I'm singing it happy, but I would always have something that would help me decompress. And so I think people, Think it's got to be bigger, but honestly, the wins are in the small, consistent things you do. And so, even if you struggle for that, making a list and just saying, What are the things that bring me joy, big and small? And then prioritizing spending even five minutes a day doing that thing.
2: I love that. Like looking at the things, big and small, and making sure to spend five minutes a day doing that. And so, when we think about Coming back from the pandemic, right, and we look at the amount of output that companies expect, and we see that it has doubled or tripled in some instances, right, and we're thinking about how we can prevent burnout for ourselves, what can be done at the employee level to kind of push back on this Higher expectations of productivity. How can we set boundaries within the workplace?:
1: So it can start this is a great question. it can start in some things you do internally and then some, some things you do externally as an employee, right? So some things you just set with yourself, like boundaries you set with you. And then we'll talk about boundaries you set with your employ, employer. And one of it could just be, you know, I am not going to have my personal email on my, my, my work email on my personal phone. What I mean to say, I am going to put an out of office that, you know, at five o'clock, let's say your day ends that time, just put an out of office that says I'll be answering calls the next day or I'll be taking emails the next day, something simple like that. Also, it's really getting clear about getting your to do list finished and everything checked is sometimes impossible. And honestly, the nature of work is that like, there's always going to be a to-do list. That's why we have jobs. If our jobs had like a finish point, we would just work for a month and then never work again. So the to-do list is never ending. So you need to have satisfaction, not in how many things you get done in a day, but if you're able to express Your values are the things that most matter to you. Why are you in the work that you're in? So really coming back to that and centering that, it's like if you are in a helping field and so compassion is important to you, were you compassionate today? Is a better to-do list to check off than is that I get all these things done? You know, if you want to be competent, is there something I did that demonstrated my competence? Check. So I think those are the internal things you can do. And then externally with your employer, A lot of the things that I teach people is the language to use with employers because they're honestly like, let's be real, they're not all here for you being like, I choose me and I, you know, have boundaries, right? But the language of employee employers that will help you is talking about like innovation and process improvements that like oftentimes people are asking you to do three times of work, but you're like, it's you and your mind are be like, it's going to be sloppy. I'm going to hate everybody. Nobody in this team talks to each other. How are we going to get from here to here? Or this task is ridiculous. The system doesn't work. And I think making it about the systems like i want to be innovative i have you know an idea of how we can do this can allow you but pushing for tools to help you be more innovative and better utilize your time is the conversation is the road in to talking to your employers about the boundaries that you want to set that you want to have more meaning in your work and i think those kinds of conversations are are usually more productive than talking to a manager who also feels probably stretched too thin and saying oh I got to set some boundaries. This is ridiculous. I can only do one person's work. All of that is true. But the conversation, the way into that conversation is talking about, can we improve a process? And can we brainstorm that with you? Like, I just want to make sure this is done really well so we don't all burn out.
0: That is so powerful. And it's the tact for me, right? Like you're saying the same thing, but you're saying it in a different way where it can be more re- you know, well-received. So thank you for that. Oh, wow. Now, one of the other things, Kelly, we often hear people say when someone is on the verge of burnout or experiencing burnout is, well, just reduce the stresses in your life. And it's like, yeah, great. Yeah, I can do that. But it sounds good in theory. But what are practical ways that someone can actually put that into practice, especially when this person is wearing multiple hats or they just have a a full plate in a really busy life? How do you reduce stressors? What does that look like in action?
1: So the smallest thing you can do is like the smallest thing is like stay hydrated. I just start there. Like when in doubt, take a sip of water or, you know, I mean, at this point, if you're starting, starting juice, I'll take whatever. I got my water here too. We're all got our water, But take a sip of water, if nothing else. And, or something that is nourishing that you can eat or drink, like start there because once our bodies are out of wax stress it's just, it's going to happen. So it starts with the body. But then the second thing, the second small thing I tell people to do is have a morning routine. And I mean, a morning routine that's less than 15 minutes. I mean, you see these people like influencing, like I get up at 430 and I, you know, read and journal and dream for an hour. And then, you know, I stretch and do yoga and then I twirl and, you know, call on the divine. And it's like, well, that's nice. I have kids screaming in my face or if we're like me, I don't got no children, but I like my bed. So I'm not getting up at 430 in the morning to be a better version of myself. Right. So, I just say I have a 15 minute morning routine. I use an app and it walks me through a coaching session. I like that's three minutes long that asks me thought provoking questions. I drink water. I have water by my bed. I make sure to drink a couple ounces of water. I make my bed while listening to either the coaching session or some music I like. Like, I keep it really simple and then I celebrate the app makes me celebrate the morning. So, I use the fabulous app. And it's done in within, I think, anywhere from like 7 to 15. It depends on the day and how slow I am. But I notice the difference when I do that than when I don't.
0: Okay, I'm going to look that up. The Fabulous app is what it's called. I love that routine. And I love that you emphasize the less than 15 minutes.
1: Yes,
2: yes. Because I think, you know, like you said, there are some people who are juggling like children or parents and having to, their their time is not just their time in the household in the morning and you got to get folks out, out of the house. That's not just you. And so I love that 15 minutes, right? What about winding down in the evening? What are some things that you would recommend for folks to kind of, because they've been at, let's say they've been working all day, whether they're in person or remote, but they've been working all day and now it's time to wind down for the evening. What are some small things that they can do in the evening to kind of help bring them some peace and get them into a relaxed spa- space before going to sleep?
1: Yeah, there's a variety of things. We're going to go with the smallest and then build on up to the stuff that no one wants to hear. But <laughs> the smallest thing I could tell someone is like, When you're getting ready, everyone's got to, you know, brush their teeth or whatever they're doing. Take some time to just keep your foam out the bathroom while you're doing that and just take some really deep kind of cleansing breaths. Like think to yourself, I'm going to take the biggest breath I've taken all day today. Take about five to eight of those, you know, and that's kind of like breathing in for, you know, five, holding for seven, breathing out for eight kind of exercise. That is the smallest thing you can do to get yourself ready for bed. The hardest thing to do, i be honest, even I struggle with it, is not having screens, not looking at a screen for minimally like an hour, 30 minutes It's probably cutting it close. Really, honestly, two hours, they say, before bed. I have the same app. If you do need your phone near you, I use an app again to get me wound down for bed. And I have routine. I like to shower at night a lot. So that helps me or put on a lotion that you like. That is calming. There's a lot of those ones that have a nice calming sense. Make a routine. Your body needs to know through habit, it's bedtime. And so just like you do with babies, like when we have children, they have the same thing they tell you, like have a routine for their bedtime. Like is it bath, story, you know, hugs and cuddles, and then off to bed you still need that as an adult. You need some version of that to prompt your body to know it's bedtime, it's disconnect time. And if you are, you know, tiktok and like me and scrolling, like even though it's like maybe positive things you're looking at, you are stimulated. And so you're still kind of awake. And if you're giggling and laughing, like I tell people, read a book that's not like a suspense thriller that you're going to want to, like me, I'm immature. I'm going to be turning that page or it's too entertaining because you'll be so into it you'll still stay up, like read something that's a little more thoughtful or slower paced that can get your body regulated.
0: You are just dropping gym after gym. I'm over here taking notes. I got the fabulous app pulled up over here. Thank you for this, Kelly. Okay. So my next question, I want to share a quick little personal story and then dive into the question. So one of the things I notice about myself when I get stressed or I'm on the verge of burnout is I will have this endless to-do list. And I have these meaty tasks that definitely need to get done, but they feel too daunting. And so I procrastinate. And then I tackle the easy ones like, oh, you know, I don't know, look at my calendar for next week, all the easy stuff. And then at the end, I feel a little accomplished because they're completed, but then I'm like, damn, I still have to do all these big tasks. So my question for you is, how do you prioritize or what are some best practices on prioritizing?
1: Okay. So I have two suggestions on how to prioritize. And first, I want to say a word about procrastination. So I'm also a procrastinator and I teach about procrastination. I tell people, good news, procrastination can be resolved 50% if you actually know what's causing it. And that procrastination falls into like three categories. Like, Like I bucket them. There's things underneath it, but it's like you're procrastinating because maybe you're a perfectionist and you feel like you can't do the task well. It's out of your wheelhouse. So you're nervous or insecure about your ability to complete the task. The other reason like you procrastinate, you talked about is you don't know where to start. So you have like priority confusion. You're like, what? There's 10 things on the to do list. They all feel like they're number one. I don't know which one to pick. So I'm just going to go watch Netflix like me. And then the third thing is boredom or you hate the task. Right. I'm a person that's not really I don't love details. Once you start telling me the details, I get sad. And I so things that are administrative, I don't like to do. And so I put them off because they bore me or I just don't like them. And so in that case, then if you hate the task or bored by it, consider delegating it like just consider rearranging funds or finding a person who loves, oh, I love doing this kind of thing and be like, swap. Okay. I'll do this task. You do this task with your partner, with friends, whatever, right? If it's task priority, what I tell people is to think about the tasks that have the most impact. So list the 10 things that you have to do. And you think, I I use something called the Pareto principle, which is like, it tells you to spend most of your time on the most important thing. So like they say the 80-20 rule. And so the way you determine what's most important is like, what is going to bring me the most impact? And it can be something small. Let's say I'm traveling, it's summertime now and we're recording this, I'm going on vacation. What is the one task that will have the most impact on me getting out the door in time to, to travel? That's now, it's not the most important maybe, but it's the most impactful. I'm going to start there down to like, if I'm a person that's forgetful, it's like, oh, I've got to put my medicine in there. That's the most impactful thing. So if I don't have it, vacation's going to be ruined or whatever that is, right? So that's how you tackle that when it comes to that. And when it's perfectionism, it's just about taking deep breaths and knowing that it's not perfect. If there is no such thing as perfection when it comes to people and starting to kind of chip away at the different tasks using those other suggestions.
2: Thank you for that. I, I love that response. And so we've talked a lot about what we can do as in, on the individual level, right? But we also know that oftentimes the bigger crux of the issue is not within us at the individual level. It's in the system, right? Right. And so how can leaders acknowledge and remedy burnout while still making sure that they meet their bottom line, right? Because we know that at the end of the day, that's what they're focused on is the bottom line. But if you have folks who are burned out, your bottom line is not going to get met. And so how can leaders acknowledge and remedy the burnout?
1: Yeah, I love this question because I think a lot of the conversation is it's either or. And I always think burnout is like a is both. It's a dual responsibility. We need to take care of ourselves, but the workplace needs to take care of us in the appropriate ways. You know, I language burnout and I say it's a conversation really about betrayal. And for it's about the ways that we betray ourselves and engage in like self-violation and don't respect our boundaries and don't take care of ourselves. But it's also a conversation about the way that work as a system betrays us, how it tells us these lies. Like if you work harder, you're going to get a promotion. If you, you know, you work now, live later kind of philosophy. When you retire, that's when you're going to really have lived the life of your dreams. And then in, and then begins to chip away at that little by little with people just giving all of not getting back. And so for organizations, it's really important that they redefine what work is in their organization. Like, Make sure that you're clear on what work is. What actually is your bottom line? A lot of companies don't know. They're like, I know I do a thing, but they cannot articulate what is your bottom line? What do you need to get done? What do you want your workplace to be? And so they're not clear on that. So one, get clear on like what the vision or the mission of your organization is, but then also give really practical tools on how to make people better at their jobs, right? Give practical tools, give training that's impactful. Think about innovation as not something that people in the tech field do, but something that everybody does. But innovation and psychological safety concepts in the workplace are things that actually make the bottom line better. Like you get to your bottom line quicker with less mistakes. When people feel safe, one, provide a level of safety, like physical safety for folks. And people can kind of give ideas without feeling that like they're going to get shut down. You get the best versions of your people. And the third thing I would say is provide resources. And that doesn't mean like the com app. Like don't just give people an app and say, there, there you're better and at the same time understand that you are not people's you know mamas you're not the therapist this is a place of business but give them the tools for them to identify like I, this is something that is not work-related, but here's our you know, employee assistance program. Make sure you have something like that, right? Have really great accommodations for people to meet them where they're at. Create hybrid work environments. Figure out what people need to feel seen and productive in the workplace and provide it. Have an outlet. It doesn't necessarily need to be you as a leader because I get it. That's not your role, but make sure that there is a place for people to turn to when those three things are in place, people don't leave their work, they report higher job satisfaction, and oh, they're actually better at it, and the companies thrive.
0: A to the men. I feel like that needs to be a whole other episode. We may need to have you back on, <laughs> Kelly, to talk about that whole conversation because wow, 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 wow. Now, this has been super valuable, and you've already dropped so many gems. Is there anything that we haven't covered or any question that we haven't asked that you may want to provide insight on?
1: I think the last thing I'll tell people on an individual level is just to center joy in their life. I mean, we started kind of that conversation with that. I, what I do when I, on my podcast, right. I ask people always like how they have joy in their lives and everybody who's taken like a joy centered approach to their life has, I've never found them homeless. I've never found them, you know, with not a friend in the world and regretting that choice. Everybody who says, I need to rework my life and I need to rework it from the perspective of joy, which is not the same as happiness, right? Joy is like this internal grounding that you get, right? Happiness comes and goes. Those folks are successful. Those folks are having the lives that they want, the lives of their dreams. And I think we think, oh, that'll come later. I'll do all these things first and then the joy will show up in my world. And that's just not how it works. I've learned this from trial and error. It's just, that's just not going to happen.
2: Well, Kelly, thank you so much for dropping all these amazing gems with our audience. And I know you mentioned you have a podcast and so you mentioned you're a therapist. So tell us one about your podcast. Tell us how folks can find you.
1: Yeah. So my podcast is called the Black Girl Burnout Podcast and it's across all major streaming platforms. It comes on three times a week, short and sweet. So it's a nice compliment to this podcast, right? I give you healing practices and just thoughts to consider specifically for Black women about how to reshape the way we live our lives and how to let go of the cultural myths that keep us, I believe, locked in struggle instead of living lives of joy and then you can connect with me across all social media at Kelly A. Bonner and Black Girl Burnout as well across all those platforms.
0: All right, lady. Make sure you go out and support Kelly. This was such an amazing episode. We can't wait to stay connected with you and have more great conversations, Kelly. And I just want to say three times a week, kudos to you because having a podcast is can so much. Can you see my work. face? Okay. Can you see yes. my face? People Girl. are watching this.
1: <laughs> support black creators. I don't okay. know who I'm saying yes. that too. I'm preaching to the core, the Come choir on. here, but like. Yeah, it's a lot.
0: Yes, we appreciate you. We appreciate the work that you're doing and just the conversations that you're having. So thank you so much for your work. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll make sure to add links in the show notes so folks can go out and support. And again, we appreciate you. Thank
2: you for having me. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today or contact your insurance provider.
0: If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website at herspacepodcast.com and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me, I am worthy of
2: a happy life.